Hello and welcome to Case Reopen at the number one Detective Conan Rewatch Podcast. I'm your cool guy host, Tyler Treese, and I'm joined by your Canadian woman hostess, Colleen. <laughs> Hello. Hello, A. I was wondering where you were going with that. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just, I'm going off the cuff, Colleen. I've got no plans. But I did do my notes. It's improv. Once. What do you mean for once? Oh, come on. Give yourself more credit. Tyler works so wow. hard, plus he does the notes for three podcasts. And I'm not sure. Maybe Sadly. you're doing the the notes for the bro C, too. I don't know about that. So let's talk about episode 186, The Murdered Famous Detective Part 2. This originally aired April 17th, 2000. And the Conan's Hint calling, I'm sure you're remembering this. Yeah, this was on your mind all week. Bullet. Yep. As I've said before, I always remember the Conan's hints. You were like, boy, I can't wait to find out about this bullet. Definitely. So, bullet, that's the hint. And Conan introduces the episode. He says, a famous detective falls victim to a difficult case. The replacement detective must use a sharp mind. Okay, Conan. Replacement detective? Is conan calling himself the replacement i guess either that or kogoro somehow after a recap sango yokomizo asked what everybody did that day the producer says he was going over to Howard's scripts early and he went hunting with kazayoshi at noon and then came back and had dinner tahara says he worked on his script after meeting with nagasuka and then had dinner as well Finally, Kazuyoshi's manager, Tanagawa, says they had a conflict this morning talking about her transfer, and she then did archery before she almost killed Kogoro. Which, uh, <laughs> that was a funny scene. And then I guess the owner was busy. <laughs> He's such an afterthought here. He's like, I'm busy, I don't know what I was doing. And they're like, okay. You didn't they didn't kill bother to give owner. him any backstory or any alibi. I was busy yeah, he working. Do- he doesn't have, like, any alibi. And then immediately, like, after this, they're like, we've got three suspects. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this guy did kill somebody. He would be like, get away scot-free, because nobody cares about him. Aw. This is like, you know, save the save the lodge owner. <laughs> Ron tells Conan that it's his bedtime, and she drags him away from his eavesdropping upstairs. She tells him to go to sleep. So he doesn't get in Kogoro's way, if only Ron knew. I mean, that's what makes it funny. <laughs> She's like, oh, my dad's totally working at whatever. It's like 2 a.m. in the morning. Don't bother him. If only she knew that <laughs> he couldn't do anything without this little kid. She then says she'll stay with him until he goes to sleep. Uh, meanwhile, Kogoro goes over the dinner's events that we recapped last time. It says Kazuyoshi was murdered between 8 and 8.05 p.m. Conan just immediately pretends to sleep. Like, he'd be like, Like, it was just ridiculous. Ron's so stupid. Well, how could she, how could she fall for that, honestly? She's like, oh, what a sweet angel. Now I can leave him alone. Yeah, I was hoping that, like, she outsmarted him and she was just waiting outside the door so that, like, because immediately after she leaves, 
Kenan sneaks out. I was really hoping she was just waiting there, being like, I knew you weren't sleeping. But no, she fell for it. No, that would have been so good. Instead, Ron doesn't show up for the rest of the episode until, like, the very no, end. No, she disappears. Yeah. <laughs> Kegger remembers that everybody had issues with Kazuyoshi and wants to hear more about them. Kazuyoshi didn't like the scripts that the scriptwriter was producing. He said the producer was stealing money, embezzlement, and his manager was being transferred. I still don't get the transferred thing. Where he's the president of a company? Okay, whatever. <laughs> I know, right? And he's, like, threatening her. He's like... Because I'm the president, I'm not gonna, like, I'm gonna mess up your transfer or something. And then, I don't know where that went, and I don't, like, there's another element that I, I, we might cover that I was like, what, what? Like, the, the, their relationship was, uh, all sorts of weird. Kicker says the manager's the only one without a proven alibi, as they only saw her after the gunshot, and that it's possible for everybody else to have contacted the real killer. The producer says Tanagawa was dumped by Kazuyoshi and could have done it, so she was also dating him, apparently, at some point? Yeah, okay, so that's what I was getting at. I mean, I didn't want to spoil it, but literally five seconds later, you said it. Yeah, So really spoiled it. <laughs> yeah, I guess they were dating, and he broke up with her so that's maybe why she has a grudge on him i don't know but again they they, they go into zero depth with this oh yeah kind of like this was kind of my issue with this episode because i thought last episode was really really good and like they set up the crime real well but they they don't really go into anybody's character into like an interesting way and every like like they have all these elements like the you know the embezzlement there's a jilted lover. There's the you know the work relationship gone sour with the scriptwriter, but all of this stuff has been done like more interesting elsewhere, and they don't like have any interesting wrinkles to it, and it kind of brings down a case that I was like really excited to see the conclusion for because I think the trick's really awesome, and it's just like the characters are just kind of like so blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the point that. I think I touched upon this the last time, but not to sound like a broken record, but I don't find the victim was particularly bad because he just like knew a bunch of stuff about these people, but he wasn't doing anything with that information. Yeah, and the reasoning we get for the uh, killing is just lame at the end, but we'll talk more about that when we get to it. Yakamiza then gets a report on the rifle, which is from a security vault at a nearby hunting lodge. Which is also where the rope came from. I don't know how they broke into this hunting lodge. Like this man, no. They, they don't go deep. <laughs> Again, in, it doesn't matter. It just happened. The bullet was unusual, as the back of the bullet has a hole in it, and the jacket was sharpened into a point. Like, what the fuck? Why did they... and these people are still <laughs> like, yeah, it's a regular bullet. Yeah, it's like what. <laughs> Yeah, definitely shot from this rifle, yep. There's also circular grooves inside, which Conan says is like a screw. And Kagura's like, Conan, what the hell are you doing out of here? Aren't you supposed to be in bed? <laughs> and he's like, I got thirsty and I woke up. And he says, get some water got- and go back to bed. <laughs> I love that he also got fully dressed to go get his drink of water. <laughs> yeah, of course. 
as one does. Kern whispers to Kagero and asks what Kazuyoshi told him on the phone. And Kagero says, none of your beeswax, dork. But Kagero wants to hear the last words of a famous actor. And Kagero then recites him. He says, would you like to come to my room and talk about detective stories? Oh, what's that? Then he hung up. (laughs) Kagero then figures out the case from that. And he searches the beds for clues. He finds a bullet hole in one of the mattresses and finds a mark on the floor of the crime scene. Karen then says the real weapon is in room 304 where the killer is staying. So the, the, there's like, I just love how like there's almost zero investigation this entire two-parter. And Conan goes from like having no real hints to solving the whole thing in like one minute. Like it, the whole investigation phase. <laughs> is so quick in this uh, two-parter. Yeah, totally. The episode is mostly the deduction show. Yeah, it it almost feels like this two-parter kind of, like, got stretched out a bit. And uh, it's too bad, because, like, it started off so good. And I don't know if they could kill some of the fluff to make it, like, a a solid one-parter or something, but I feel like it would have helped a bit if they could have just made it concise, because as a two-parter, it just kind of falls a little flat here. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, you know, how it's all constructed. So, uh, since the rifle mark matched, the suspects want to leave. Kenan then asks a police officer to search room 304 for Yokomizo and to do so secretly. And he hand- hands him the master key, which he somehow got. <laughs> I gotta say, like, uh, the Detective Conan wiki lists the two police officers that are, like, uh yokomizo's lackeys here as new characters they don't even have names so i don't feel like they count as new characters like maybe they show up again or something but it's it's just generic shiba and knockoff takagi (laughs) um i do i did quite enjoy how conan was like you know ordering them around the same way that he would takagi and the other police officers that work with megari but these guys had no reason to listen to conan like, they've never seen this kid before in their life. Everybody starts to leave, which is when Conan knocks out Kegaro with his wrist dart and tells them to wait as he's figured out the killer. And it's one of the three people that were with Kazuyoshi. And the, the owner's like, phew, not me. I didn't do it. <laughs> oh, the owner. The evidence outside was meant to mislead them all. And you can tell that it was a, a fake evidence because it was all soaked by the rain. I meant that it was sitting out there all day rather than used during the crime period. <laughs> Kegaro says this means the culprit is somebody whose alibi is complete if somebody was on the cliff. The producer says it's not possible to shoot a bullet without a rifle and the manager agrees. So they're like, well, gotcha ass, Kegaro. Obviously, uh, this producer guy has never heard of a finger gun. Oh my god. I, uh... When are we doing the live action again? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I need I need some live action uh, Takagi back in my life. Yeah, of all the characters, you want live action Takagi. Well, see, I have like the same amount of love and admiration for live action Takagi as you have for the animated Takagi. Because you swoon over him. You're like, oh, Takagi, you're so perfect and handsome. <laughs> And I'm like, live action Takagi, you rock, you're a dork, and you rule. And I just love him. 
Yeah, so... I want to protect him, Colleen. I want to protect live-action Takagi. As I want to protect animated Takagi. What about the real-life Takagi? The the person voicing him? I still don't... They should have had him be the actor of Takagi, you know? Yes, yeah. He should have been live-action It would have just... I mean, he is Takagi. How... I mean, it's the same name. It would have been so meta if he also played live-action Takagi. This is just his life, and he's, like, a police officer, too. Have you looked him up? What what he looks the like? Voice actor, yeah. Uh, probably a long time ago, but I don't. Oh yeah, I, feel, I keep forgetting he does. He does Ginta, right? Yeah. So oh yeah, so we saw that like behind the scenes clip. Yeah. <laughs> so he showed up there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe. Yeah. I don't. Know. <laughs> he's he's scary. Just because he can do that Ginta voice, that's the only reason I find him scary. Alright, Takagi rules. Shout out to him. Yeah, it's cool whether guy. it's live action or animated, we stand Takagi on this show, this podcast. That is that is very true. Shout out to Takagi. Anyhow, Kegura says the killer took the master key from the front, entered Kazuyoshi's room on the third floor, and raised the mattress of the bed against the window. This was all while he was hunting. After <laughs> leaving the room, he stole the rifle and rope from the hunting ground and went to the opposite shore and fired a bullet into the window. He then tied the rope to make it look like he descended from the cliff. The killer returned to the room and took the bullet that shot through the window out of the mattress. After placing the mattress back, he cleaned some shards of window glass and hid the window with the curtain. The culprit then went back to the room and opened a hole in the backside of the bullet by using a drill and sharpened the tip with a file. It then created a new weapon and came down to dinner. Okay. How long so, did this all take him? To... He spent the afternoon doing that. Yeah, so that, I mean, I really enjoyed... It's pretty obvious, like, who did this, just, like, who had the time. Because, like, <laughs> this is a whole day's worth of activities. We know the producer is hunting with the victim, so he obviously didn't do it. We know the woman's doing archery the whole time, so she couldn't have done it. And the ma- the owner is just nobody cares about it. <laughs> so it's very obvious who did this. Yes. When they're going through. I don't get why they, like, waited for the reveal as if that added any extra tension. Because, like, it's just process of elimination. It's very, it points right at the scriptwriter. Yeah, on top of everything, he so he had time to do it. It was also, like, so intricately done planned out that it felt like it's someone who like wrote it down like the scriptwriter would have planned this out for one of the detective show episodes like but you're right like even to the last second where they're like oh it was a bullet that was aimed at the victim and then Songo is just like <gasps> aimed as an archery and then everyone like looks at <laughs> the manager <laughs> like okay by now it's not her like at the beginning I thought okay it was her um but then it just like as the clues unraveled, it just became so obvious that it looked like it was her. That I mean, with this show, we know like we can't go with the obvious. So I knew it wasn't. But you're right; they just kept holding on to that, even though, um, like it pointed to the scriptwriter more with everything that Conan was saying. I guess it is a shocker that a woman didn't kill somebody for once. <laughs> I guess were you shocked? 
Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. No, no, no. I always believe in women cuddling. You know, I thought she was innocent the whole time. Oh, so you, you also thought she was innocent when she shot that arrow at Kogoro? Yeah, of course. Women can't. Because I, d- women I can't didn't think. Do archery. Come on. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, Come on, no, Colleen. I believe been... women. Women can't commit crimes, but I will be very sexist. Anyhow, Kazuyoshi went up to his room, and that's when the killer aimed for Kazuyoshi in front of his face with a bow. After killing him, they moved the body into position, opened the curtains, and tossed the glass shards back down. They then removed the arrow from Kazuyoshi's body. The screenwriter claps. He's already defensive before, like, he's even named. He says, bravo, Kagero, you should be a writer. That's <laughs> such a amazing plot by you. <laughs> such an inventive mind you have, sir. <laughs> I, it's too bad this guy wasn't drawn with like a monocle and an ascot because that voice would match him then. He just looks like he hasn't bathed in like five weeks. No. He's like, you know, him and Kobayashi were probably roommates. Detective Definitely. Kobayashi? Inspector? Whatever. Yeah. They're probably like having drug filled binges together. Um,. Kegger says he doesn't have the skill to be a writer, that he only finds the evidence that culprits leave behind, such as the coconut fibers that were mixed in with the shards of glass. He says that's used by the mattresses, and the culprit then hid the real weapon and moved to an area that they wouldn't be suspected in, and called Kegger from the cell phone. You see, it wasn't Kazuyoshi on the phone, as he was already dead, but a recording from the television show that aired tonight. And the owner, finally finding his worth, he said, I taped that episode, (laughs) it's on my VCR! So they bring out his VCR, he says, Oh, let me rewind it, Uh, okay. Oh no, I went too far, let me fast forward, let me all find, oh no, I went too far. Oh no, there's the commercial, let me just skip that. back to the commercial. Oh wait, this is a good commercial, you ever see this commercial? It's pretty funny, okay. I get that dishwashing soap for the lodge. He does love his dishwashing soap. Uh, They play it back, they hear the line, and that confirms that Kazuyoshi was already dead. Uh, it's also funny the context in that line because he's just using it to pick up a woman where he's like hey how about we go back to my room and uh talk some detective stories and uh, i like how it just worked on kogoro as well and he's like okay i guess i'll go back to your room and tell you some detective stories (laughs) it's also like how oddly perfect of a line is that like and it happened to be airing in the episode today of all days like it just seemed like that was something that should have been prepared more, but I don't know. Did the scriptwriter think, oh, that would be the great greatest line to use on Kogoro? Yeah, they also didn't know that Kogoro was supposed to be there, so it's oddly that he had like the line prepared just for Oh, Kogoro, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Which so, is also weird. Especially when the... Okay, so he didn't find out about Kogoro until like... Because this line makes almost no sense to anybody else. Where he's asking them to go back to talk about detective stories. You know what I mean? That's right. And like, he didn't <laughs> find out that Kogoro was there 
until like Kagero arrived at the lodge, which was after he already did a bunch of prep. So when the hell did he record this thing? So like a last second. Did he? I don't know. I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to add more plot detail than is needed, clearly. Yeah, there are some gaps that need to be filled, but now that I'm thinking about it, like, did he, uh, did, was the scriptwriter there when Kogoro and family arrived, or did they just. I think like, he meet walks by at them. Dinner. Because he walks, they walk by him because he goes, Conan's like, oh, what's yeah. that guy's problem? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. So they see him then, so he, he must have had. Some downtime to where he could record this episode. <laughs> that guy's problem was that he's been running around all day trying to get all his stuff done. He's probably all yeah, sweaty exactly. and tired. Officer Conan talked to earlier, then arrives, and he found a crossbow and an arrow in hand from room 304. And then the producer goes, <gasps> Room 304? That's Tahara's room. So it was the scriptwriter <laughs> calling. Wow. Yep, just based off of that. And Kegura says Tahara lied when he said he was getting sake. And uh, he committed the crime during that time instead. He then sat near them, but just far enough so that he could do the secret call. And while on the phone, he also tossed a small explosive into the gorge to make the gunshot noise. Uh, Tahara then calls Kegura insane. And says it isn't his, and he must be set up by the true criminal. Poor Tahara. He's being set up, Colleen. Yeah, by the lodge owner. <gasps> He's a true criminal I mastermind. It. I knew it. Kegra says he has other evidence as well. Namely, Tahara's shoes. And then we get this <laughs> funny scene where Yokomisa's like, Give me that shoe! And he rips it off of him. <laughs> And he looks it over, and Kegger says there was a mark left by his shoes at the scene, and he finds a piece of glass lodged in the, you know, the, the foot, the sole of the uh, shoes, which then scratched the floor. And this guy should have never been near the body, so there's no reason why he should have had that glass by him. And that's the proof that he did it, Colleen. It's so awesome that Conan, and this has happened before, but Conan just, like, thinks of something and then it's actually, it ha- happens. Like, Conan didn't check his shoe beforehand. He's just like, well, there was a mark on the floor. It must have been done this way. Let's just hope for the best. And, oh, look at that. It actually worked out that way. It'd be really funny if he was wrong. Because he'd be totally screwed if so. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he had a backup plan. Because all the evidence was pointing towards uh Tahara, I guess, but he didn't have anything that, like, sealed the deal. Tahara then admits to the crime, and he says he did it because Kazuyoshi criticized his work for the low ratings. Oh, Oh, dear. And Tahara says, the computer was my friend. Oh, no. (laughs) He said... (laughs) (laughs) The script was my friend. I wanted to commit a perfect crime. No producer, no actor, no police officer. No, a perfect crime that not even a famous detective could solve. Its victim, none other than Sambo's Benai. It had to be Sanaoka Kazuyoshi. It's like, dude, you're such a loser. This show must have sucked. <laughs> show. <laughs> um... 
Is he a bigger loser than the computer was my friend guy? No, he's a step above that. <laughs> okay. But, like, it's just such a lame reasoning. And it, it seems like he wasn't... Like, it almost seems that, like, Koguro being... Okay, so that's not true either, because he's like, oh, I'm not even a famous detective. But he was already setting this up before Koguro arrived. So it's not like... So he was, was planning goal. on doing this anyhow. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, but yeah, you're a dork. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I'm. I wasn't a fan of the motive. I mean, it it was pretty weak. It's a cool trick, though. Like the whole yes. misdirections element was really smart. You know, and there, there's a lot of cool elements to the trick, like you know, turning a. Uh, arrow you know uh, a bullet into an arrowhead and then using that like that's a crazy way to kill somebody you never would have thought that so like there's really cool elements here and you know it's it's kind of like oh wow this is how like i I like the scriptwriter element because it's like man if gesho ayama wanted to be he could be a mastermind killer you know yeah so uh we kind of get that element here but uh, it's just the characters here. I mean, you, that, that's where it really it's like, oh, yeah, this is definitely an anime original. Because it's like they're just not fleshed out that extra degree that would have made it like more memorable. And they ha- they're so close to a really good case. That's why it's like frustrating. Because like this could have been like a really great case. And there's all these good elements there. And it almost comes together, but it doesn't quite. And the fact that it's so close makes it all the more frustrating because you can just feel like, oh, this is so close to being a great case. And it's still good. I'm not trying to like, oh, this was a terrible case, like the computer one or something. No, no, <laughs> this is like, this is still a quality case. It's just like, it's so close to being that next level and it just doesn't get there. At least to me. I don't know. How, how did you feel about it? I totally agree. Um, I thought it was really enjoyable watching it like it's a solid two-parter um the most fun or the most entertaining part i guess of this uh, second part in particular it was um like finding out how the trick worked with the mattress and um just like the misdirection in that like it looked like it was tanigawa for a good portion of the case because she was the one that was upstairs with the friggin what's his name the actor guy um and then like because i thought the only misdirection was the fact that um it looked like it was done by an outsider so they like set that up in advance but not only that the scriptwriter also committed the crime like at a different time like in advance and then set it like then came back to the you know downstairs and uh made it seem like he was like that i mean he built his alibi so like there was some neat stuff going on with the misdirection with the trick itself um you're right the characters leave something to be desired i mean our uh reoccurring ones are pretty good uh even songo was like (laughs) songo was quite hilarious at some parts like during the deduction show every time kogro you know, mention somebody, Kongo would, like, look at them and, like, glare. <laughs> and he did that to the lodge owner, too. And poor lodge owner was like, oh, <laughs> don't look at me. So Sango was pretty, he was good. His lackeys were, like, whatever. They just needed to be there for Conan to boss around. Um, So, yeah. It, again, it's, 
it's a good two-parter. It could have been better. Yeah. Uh, I also have issues with this joke ending here, but let's recap that. So after the ending song, the producer pitches a series based on Kegaro. He says it'll be a big hit, and Kegaro says that sounds wonderful. And Ron and Conan give a, a knowing nod to each other, and Ron presses down on the gas pedal, and they speed away before Kegaro can negotiate further. The producer cries out, Maurice-san! And Kegaro bemoans that his chance to be a star has escaped. This is all funny in the moment, but there's absolutely zero logic applied to this. First off, he's given his uh, business card to this guy. He has his contact info. It's not like this has to be made <laughs> this very second or they can't go on with the show. Like, there's nothing like from this guy making a trip to the Mori Detective Agency. It's not like it's a secret where that is. It's not like he doesn't have his contact info. He, like, he exchanged business cards. Like, he knows where this guy works. He knows the production company. Like, this, it's just so stupid that, like, Ron making the car go back a few, like, forward a few feet means he'll never get the show. Like, what? He can't He'll turn never the car see around. this guy again. Nope. That, that was his one chance at stardom. It's gone now. Kogoro has to live on as a private detective, and he's not going to get his own show. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's a funny gag, but it just makes yeah. no sense at all. And if you think about it for more than five seconds, and sadly, you know, when you're writing stuff down, you do think about it <laughs> for a few seconds. And I was just like, this makes no effing sense. Yeah. No, I, I see your point. Like, it. Watching it, I think, you know, gets a chuckle uh, or a laugh or whatever, but uh, <laughs> it's realistically, like, if Kogoro wanted to get in touch with this guy, there there are ample ways he could. And, like, I realize this is totally nitpicking, but Conan can't really have it both ways. You can't be like, ah, oh, Conan, this is the series that really makes you think, and then be like, Oh, let's do this really dumb gag. Please don't think about it. <laughs> right. Like, you can't benefit from both. So if you're going to be like, okay, this show's going to... And it's not like it, everything has to be complex. Like, you can have simple... Like some of the best humor in the show is just slapstick. It's Conan getting hit in the head. It's Ginta being fat. You know, it's <laughs> really simple gags. But like, it has to be grounded in some sort of logic and there's no logic to this. And I realize it's just an ending gag. It's like 10 seconds of the episode and I'm ranting about it for minutes. <laughs> uh, but it's just, this, it's like, it was stupid. This deserves just as much analysis as the rest of the episode. So I'm glad that we're really fine tuning, <laughs> like really drilling down into the core of this <laughs> gag. Um, what was I going to say, though? Oh, it's like this show is a victim of its own success because obviously when you're watching it, like you're going to attract that kind of uh, viewership, right? Like everybody overanalyzes everything that happens, every uh, line that every character says. And you're like, OK, is this going to be important to figure out the case? So naturally, when you start looking at the other parts of the show, like that same sort of thought process maybe kicks in so i totally get where you're coming from especially with this podcast i mean you know you can watch the show <laughs> like kind of half-heartedly if you want to but like when you're doing a full-blown podcast if we don't like dive deep into the, like the dumb minutia then there's no point to the show so like we do have to like 
put our magnifying glass, you know, onto this stuff, even when it's a state of it. Or otherwise, there's kind of no point to the show. But anyhow, oh, this is a very stupid conversation, so I apologize <laughs> for going into this, like five minutes. But uh, it, it bugged me. Um, yeah. I mean, the way like the way that we sometimes look at these episodes, um, analyze them or whatnot, like it might seem that we don't like the show because uh, at least I'll speak for myself. I'm I tend to be overly critical, and I'm just like, how could that happen? And like, when when did this guy had have time to do all this stuff? But, Unless Takagi's on screen. <laughs> yeah, that's a different story. Takagi or Shinichi get a pass. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Um, but we we do love this show. Like, there's a reason why we've chosen to do a podcast about it. Um, well, that reason is that we're very stupid. <laughs> that has nothing to do with our love of the show. <laughs> okay, you've got a point there. But what I'm saying is that... Uh, no matter how much you know we criticize these episodes or we're like oh this one wasn't as good as you know some other episode like this is i just think this is like an a plus show this is one of my favorites and um yeah it's just part of it's the nature of you know doing uh something like this where you have to um dive deep into the content that you're covering and boy we dive deep when it comes to this <laughs> the stupidest parts oh yes the ending <laughs> the ending gag i don't know if we'll ever um you know analyze another ending quite like this one i'm so disappointed that the policemen for yukamiza don't get names yeah <laughs> i kind of wish that they had gone like um, like a play off of Takagi and Chiba's names, although I don't think Chiba, like the real Chiba, I'm doing air quotes, the real Chiba has been introduced yet. But yeah, if they had like similar sounding names, that would have been fun. Yeah, they don't they don't get names. I don't think we ever see them again. Maybe we do. I don't. I guess we see them again just because otherwise I don't think the wiki would have listed them. <laughs> but uh, yeah. That's all, that's all you gotta know. I, I don't think we'll ever see Lodge Owner again. So here's some trivia from the Detective Conan Wiki. Urban Hunter is a reference to the series City Hunter, uh, which okay. Kogoro's first voice actor, Kira Kamiya, played the main character, Ryo Saiba. What? Uh, okay, yeah, I so have to go watch that now. City Hunter. Um... That's interesting. I mean, I don't know how old the protagonist of City Hunter is, but he didn't... I didn't get, like, a Kogoro voice vibe when I saw... Yeah, maybe he has... Maybe Kogoro has some range to a voice actor. Maybe he's got a lot of... Oh, yeah. A lot of range there. No doubt. Yeah, I think City Hunter's streaming on a bunch of stuff, too. I think Discotech put it out on a some places yeah. but that's a very popular I think there's like two two blu-rays out for city hunter yeah there's Maybe blu-rays three. too uh apparently kazuyoshi reappears in the picture about yokohama university's club's eighth president in the private eyes wet requiem i feel like we see that every other episode because <laughs> like they just reused a bunch of uh old character designs for that film uh yeah. and then finally cuts uh katsuaki nagasuka speaks osaka bin 
I think that was the producer. Yes, okay. that was the producer. So he's Unfortunately, from that's lost on me. Uh, he has the same. He speaks like Haji, ha, uh, ha, Tori. Yeah. Man, so. when are we gonna see him again? <laughs> Sorry, because we talked about that mermaid episode last time, so now I have like a hankering to watch. We're hundreds one. of episodes away from the. Uh, we're very far away from the poor mermaid case. But I can figure out when we'll see. Well, d- doesn't he show up during the uh, Desperate Revival? We'll probably see him during that. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. We are okay, well, so well, close to that. It's during like the, the school play. Anyways, that's all I'm going to say. Because we, we have the movie, then an anime original, and then we're into the Desperate Revival. So, oh boy, and that's gonna span maybe like three different podcasts, if not more, with my shitty note taking <laughs> lately. But uh, yeah, it, lo- it looks like we'll try to divide that up in the three podcasts because it's a six-part episode. It's kind of like different cases that are connected, but uh, yeah, it's one of the first like real arcs for Conan, and Conan doesn't really have like the these type of arcs that often. There's maybe like, I don't know, three or four where it's like a longer case that takes a couple things. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited to cover this because this is some of the best anime stuff uh, of all Detective Conan. So that's really exciting. Yeah, um, it's been a long time coming. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff, like good plot points that happen during that arc. Yeah. And thankfully, uh, they don't follow it up with eight uh, TV anime originals, like uh, <laughs> like like we did with the reunion of the Black Organization. We finally get the plot moving, and then it's like, here's ten filler episodes. Okay, because we have to prepare for the desperate revival. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I want to give some thanks to the patrons: Jeffrey, Ryan, Self, Spencer, Young, William, Lee. And Big Chief Mason, uh, the next Conan's hint is black tea, which is exciting. Do you like black tea? So that's for the... Hmm? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not... Uh, that's... Uh, what's that? Yeah, it's for the uh, next anime episode. Okay. We're obviously yeah. doing the movie next, so it doesn't apply. But keep that in your mind for two weeks, Colleen, because... Oh, yeah, because I'm so good at remembering so... these. Yeah, that's very exciting. Black tea. Uh, but what were you saying? You had something to say? Oh, it's, it wasn't important. It was just the, <laughs> about black tea. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not much of a tea drinker, but black tea's okay. There we go. Colleen gives her thoughts on black tea. You heard it here first. Uh, so I guess let's... Uh, give our final thoughts on the episode before we bounce. What do you think of uh, episode one eighty six, the murdered famous detective part two? Um, it was enjoyable, like uh, watching it straight through the two episodes. Good momentum. Um, the the trick was super interesting. Um, uh, <laughs> the character development was a little bit lacking, but. I can give it a pass because it had enough sort of like good stuff going for it that uh, I wasn't too bothered by it. 
Um, again, I didn't think the victim was overly bad, so I didn't really get where that was coming from. But then when we found out the motive, it was like, okay, it, it's a lame motive. So that's why. But yeah, still, I still enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought the first episode was a little bit better. And uh, I, I guess part of my disappointment is because the first episode ends so strongly where it has like that hype music and Conan's really like, I gotta solve this, protect my fallen detective guy. It's like, dude, he's an actor, but it seemed like Conan <laughs> was taking this like personally. <laughs> and then it kind of just didn't keep that momentum up here. Um, wasn't bad. It's just like a, a solid case when I thought we were on the, I thought we were on like something that was going to be like, oh wow, this was to the point of like, you know, we had that cold, the cursed mask coldly laughs. Like I thought maybe we were going to rise to that level and it definitely doesn't, but uh, it was still good. So yeah, no, no complaints, but uh, you know, it's still a good two-parter that's worth watching for sure. Like you said, the trick itself is really awesome, and there's a lot of really good elements. It's just uh, the killer is such a dork, and the <laughs> lame motive kind. Of, it's just kind of like a wet fart of an ending, to where like oh, this had so much momentum, and then it doesn't really pay it off. But you know, it happens, and when you do five thousand cases. <laughs> So, but perhaps the biggest crime of all is that we didn't get a joke at the end. <laughs> so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, the, the anime. The versions that Tyler and I watched like just cut off, so we didn't even get like the Conan's hint or the pun or joke at the end. So what a travesty. Yeah, what a disappointment. What a disappointment. But that's it. We'll cover the Detective Conan movie 4 next week, hopefully. Oh boy. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a lot of nerd digging, but I will get it done. It's um, true. Yeah, the movies are the movies take some years off my life. <laughs> for the nerd digging. Oh dear. It's like you got gotta set aside the whole day for this. But uh yeah. So we'll do that. And then we're we're so close to the Desperate Revival, which I'm super hyped. I don't remember anything about Captured in Her Eyes, so I'm looking forward to Rewatching that movie because I have no clue what that's about. Did we do the aquarium movie? That was like the second one, right? Or the third one? Yes. We did that one, right? Okay, so maybe this is a ship one. There's like three of them that's on ships. That seems like a safe <laughs> so true. Bet. Is it a ship so one? They... Okay. Is it? I, uh, I don't remember. I'm like you. I don't remember this one too well. Like the, like this one in the. Uh, Capture. I think number five. I remember like some there's like this climax that i remember and then six is easy it's the the baker's the whatever okay the, so like i'm looking Sherlock at the Holmes dvd one. case um and okay so there's a sh small ship there's also a giant skyscraper and then for some <laughs> reason there is meguri uh, the other detective takagi and sato and they all look menacing like, they're the bad guys for some reason. Oh, no. Um, and also, dude is going to shoot Conan in his eyeball, apparently. So, uh, yeah, a lot going on. There's two ships, actually, like speedboats. So, I'm not, I have no clue what the hell's going on from this poster. Oh, okay. But, uh, 
I do recall, and I don't know if it's this movie, but I do recall there being like a a chase scene uh, on the water. It. So it might be this one. Okay. Also, uh, I see Shinichi, <gasps> which is a dude. I also see a dragon spewing fire. Oh my gosh. I, I, this is literally on the image. I don't know what the hell's happening. All right, so there's what a lot. If that on? doesn't get you excited for next week, and just, just to figure out what the hell's going on there, we will we will figure that out. So be on the lookout for movie number four, Captured in Her Eyes. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails. <laughs>